answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for being part of our program today as we talk about financial matters, both myself and my co-host here, we are practicing financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We are here on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. And if you'd like to join our program, if you'd like to ask us a question. And sometimes, it's funny, Pat, um, sometimes there's questions that people call you like, I, if I were facing what you're facing at this very moment, I don't think I'd be calling a radio program. I think I'd find the best expert in town in the state, in the country, and go talk to them immediately. You know what I mean? Everyone's that. So, um, you know well, what I'm talking about. Yeah, but but uh, but here's what's nice about this: it's anonymous. Yes, I don't, and we don't have a dog in the fight. That's correct. You're gonna right? get. I'm gonna tell you what we advice. think. And if we don't know the answer, we'll tell you we don't know the answer, and we'll try to get you the answer off air. But usually, we know the answer most of the time. <laughs> we can give you some, you know. Or we'll point you in the right direction. And there's, there are so often people come in and see us that have these financial products that were sold to them. And I'm always thinking, yeah, had you just sim- simply called our program, got a second opinion before you moved forward? Yes. So if you are sit in a situation where you're thinking, am I doing the right thing? Should I be thinking about doing something different? Is my advisor giving me the right advice? Should I be doing something different? Just am call. I heading down the right path? Is retirement realistic for me at this period of time, et cetera? So to join our show, 833-99-WORTH. We'll get you on Hanson and McLean's All Worth's Money Matters with the both of us here. Again, 833-99-WORTH. Or uh, numerically, it's 833-999-6784. And we're going to start off with Gail. Gail, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hello there. Hi, Gail. Uh, this, these questions regard my RMD. The required minimum distribution uh, from your retirement plans? Uh-huh, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I had it in two institutions. I have one, in, majority of it is in a 401k, uh, and the other is an individual IRA that I took out. Okay. And uh, I guess uh, what I'm wondering is I, I know you have to calculate how much. Um, they take out from each firm. It can, act, it can actually be taken out of one firm. And I was wondering, how do they do that? Um, um, are, you, are you still working? No. Okay. All right. No, I retired in 2014. If you had, if you had multiple IRAs, then – so if you had two IRAs, then you could figure out how you're supposed to take out 5000 from one account, 7000 from the other account. So as long as you took out 12000 from either of the accounts – You'd be fine. When and when you say they, you mean you. It's not they calculate it. It's well, your responsibility. It's still your responsibility. They do send you a calculation on each plan. But you don't they don't force you to take that no, no, money no. out of that plan. But if you don't take the money out of the plans, the total amount, then you're responsible for any tax uh penalty that comes with that. But with four yeah. with a four oh one K and an IRA, you need to re- take distributions from both the plans because they're different plans. They're different types of plans, although they're very similar. One is 401k and one is 408a. So they're not the same. They look the same. They taste the same, but they're not the same. Are you saying an IRA is the same as a 401? It is not the same. No, they're not the same. They're completely different. So the 401k is the section of the tax code where the 401k comes from. Internal Revenue Code 401, subject in K. And And the the IRA IRA comes from a different section of the tax code. 408. So they're not the same. Oh, I see what you mean. So you have to take the withdrawals from both of them. Or, Or you roll the 401k into an IRA... If you like the one you've got, you put it in that one. If you don't, 
set up a new IRA, have them all in just one place, which is what the majority of people do at this stage in life. They have it all into one place, and it just makes it simple for the calculations. Yeah, why do you have them in different places? Because she retired from her company and just left it there. Well, I had opened up, uh, actually, the IRA way back even before I uh, they started the 401k oh. where I worked. Um, and I did, I, I put some in and then it's, I didn't really add any more and it, it's just kind of grown. Uh, and how much, okay, how I much think, is in your 401k? Uh, it's about, it's about 240 now. And then in my, uh, my IRS about 35, I think. And 35,000. And how much did you start? Yeah. How much did you put into that IRA? Cause you said you opened it years ago. I think originally it was about five thousand. Yeah, there's but time. Then I also added. I also added. I, I rolled over from a, uh, some stock that I had okay. and put it in there. Well, the so, answer to your question is they have to be done separately. The long answer is it would make your life much easier if you actually combine them together um, and either use the financial advisor or did it yourself. In, in a type of IRA where you can own multiple investments. That's the whole idea behind it. So if you go to a discount brokerage firm, you can buy multiple things, or you can bring it to a single institution, and you could put different mutual funds into it. It's called a brokerage IRA, and it just makes life easier. One of the benefits of actually keeping it in the 401k, quite frankly, is that you've got at least someone doing a uh, a minimal screen yeah, over but the investment. That, your allocations could be way off. Though. That's correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, another. Uh, uh, yeah, one more thing. Sure. Um, so, I, I obviously it sounds like I either need to talk to um, a CPA or a CFD. Oh yeah. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, not to figure out how much your calculation is because the the both the four hundred one k plan and the IRA should send you at the end of the year a here's what your required dis- minimum distributions are. But so you, you, you can satisfy that without having to talk to any professional because they send you the documentation on it. It's um, whether or not it's invested correctly and the right thing for you long term. I think a certified financial planner would, uh, would be the, the route to go. A fee based one, independent fee based one. So, All right. All right. Okay. You don't hey, sound happy. Hey, Gail, did we ruin your I know. day? <laughs> like, Gail? I what's that? I I think maybe you can just just make a recommendation. I have seen someone uh, with um, McLean and Hanson, uh-huh. and they. Uh, I was looking for j- just a fee based, but they wanted to um, do you know, allocate all of my funds. They wanted to be able to to do that, and I I didn't. That's not exactly what I had in mind. Well, it's might have, it might have been what they thought was the most appropriate, though, and so that's what they recommended. Did they do they offer just a fee base where you can go in and sit down and talk with someone and, and get tax information and know? Uh, yeah, they can tell you what to do. Yes, and and Is that they the kind of things I could be doing. Yes, uh, they uh, they they are us. So uh, we changed our name from Hanson McLean to Allworth, and you're talking to Pat McLean and Scott Hanson. But yes, they do that as well. And that may uh, have come out in the conversation or not. What? What? Yeah. All and it's all worth. And what? What we don't do as a firm is we don't do hourly billing the way, say, a CPA would work. Yeah. That's just not what we do. So appreciate the call. Yeah. So thank you, Gail. Appreciate the call. <laughs> Good luck to you. Now, before we go uh, back to calls, Pat, I saw <sighs> I saw an article about uh, new cars, and it's interesting because as Cars become safer and safer, and I'm not making anything like this is right or wrong. I just like I think now there's there's backup cameras on many cars, and some I don't know if yep. it's, is it mandatory now. I don't know. Or the there's some talking about making it mandatory. Or the um the the where you're it shows someone on your side when you go yeah, to change that's not lanes. mandatory though, is it? I don't know, but I I have one on my car, and I rented a car that didn't have. No, one. it's mandatory for me now. <laughs> right. I've got it too. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I rented a car that didn't have it, and I'm like, I'm a dangerous person. It's nice, that little red without light there. this little. But now there's there's something for in case there's a uh, did you, you know, if there's a child in the back. They want you to double check all, all these new technologies. Which is, uh, the challenge is it the price of a new car continues to climb higher and higher. And as it stands now, only 18% of households have enough 
uh, liquid cash to cover the cost of a new car. 18%. A new car. Yeah, 18%. 82% of Americans could not go buy a new car with cash. Which, why does the average American need a new car? What's wrong with a three-year-old car? Or a two-year-old car? I don't know. Do they last as long as they used to? Yeah, they last a long time. Cars will last a yeah, How come you don't see a lot of cars 000. that are 20 years old on the road? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, I, I kind of wonder we, that. I don't keep a car for 20 years. I did you, have one that how I How do you know car, whether the car's I did have a car for 15 years. I've had cars for 15 years. In fact, I got rid of one last year that we was 15 years old. Each one of my kids learned to drive it. It was really beat up. When we brought, <laughs> when we brought it over to, uh, who's the people, CarMax, to, to, to sell it? The brakes went out on the way over. Oh, I brought a car there to sell, and I had a problem on the way over, too. And so the guy goes, hey, we're going to take this uh, car for a You're test like, drive. Ah, I don't recommend that. And I go, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> and he said, well, we're going to have to give you less money if we can't test drive it. And I said, I'll be okay with it <laughs> because I don't want to kill anyone on right. the way over. So. so uh, the average size of an auto loan has grown by a third over the last decade. Size of the amount yes. of money. But I heard an ad the other day where you get more money in your auto loan than the car's worth. It's exactly right. So the average loan now for a new car is 32000 and some change. The average loan length has stretched out to 69 months. Okay, so that's uh, five years, nine months. Over five years. Five years, nine months. But they can. But I've seen seven and eight year loans as well. Oh yeah, there's. Uh, what did I send this? Earlier? Yeah, there are loans that uh, that go much further than that. Scott, uh, in and right now, if a third of new car buyers, one third, trade in their cars that have debt on their cars that's worth more than the cars. The car uh, so they have negative equity in the car. So the car is worth 15 grand, the they loan's owes. 18,000. They go and the dealer's like, "Oh, no problem. We'll roll it on to a new one." New going forward. And the number of actually car loans out there as a percentage has increased significantly as compared to what it was 10 Consumers years ago. Consumers hold 1.3 trillion of debt on their cars. That's up from seven forty billion a decade earlier. What's the danger in all of this? Why are, why are we talking about it? Well, you you have a depreciated asset. Yes, it's a horrible investment. Cars are horrible investments. If you can afford a new car, great. But don't buy a new car if you really can't afford it. And can't afford it means you've got all the other areas of your financial life in order. You're putting your maximum in your four hundred one k. You have life insurance on yourself if you have children at home or a spouse uh, that you you've got some good term insurance. The, it, a car can be a luxury or it can be just something that you need to get through life. Yeah. And for most, I mean, they're just, they're horrible investments. Not, and I think not as, not as bad as boats. Okay. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> Which you can get a 15 year loan on a boat. Oh, longer. 20, 25 year. Actually, a friend of mine owns a boat dealership and he asked me not to ever talk about this again on a radio show about the loans on the boats. Sorry, Bob. And the fact that you just said that is probably even worse for him. I, sorry, Bob. <laughs> so, all right, let's continue on with calls. 833-99-WORTH is the number. That's 833-999-6784. We are in Colorado with Bob. Bob, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Bob? Good, good. I wanted to ask about, uh, I'm in my free retirement years, within like five, six years, let's say. So a lot of what we've been putting aside has been through 401ks or IRAs over the years. Uh, so we've kind of built up our, our war chest, if you will. And so I'm concerned about two things, the taxes or tax consequences once we retire and whether I should be maybe not putting money in those kind of vehicles now, uh, maybe looking at an annuity. I know you guys are not big fans of those but also how we could get a little more safety in the mix between bonds or stocks or something else. So is your concern taxes now or taxes in retirement? Because annuities... Taxes in, re in retirement more so. Got it. And so what's your approximate family income now? Um, well, I, I would say we're probably um, earning or a little over 100 and putting away like close to 20% now. Okay. 
And how much money do you have in savings? Um, as as my wife and I continue to move toward retirement, we're at about five hundred thousand now. Okay. And how much of that is in stocks? Too much, uh, probably two thirds. Okay. And how old are you? Um, I am sixty-two. All right. So probably looking at a sixty-six and a half. Uh, year retirement. Why? Why do you uh, think two thirds is too much? Well, um, just in terms of safety going forward, you know the market's pretty hinky right now. But that's one of the reasons I called. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, so you know, feedback on. You know. I think sometimes it's so. It you know the markets can be volatile, and clearly stocks are going to fall again in value, <laughs> and it's going to be another ugly time in the future. But they're always temporary. So every decline, right. you know, assuming you're broadly diversified, right? If you're not and you pick one company, well, good luck to you. But if you're broadly diversified, no, we, we are. Yeah, you're broadly right. diversified. Every decline is temporary. And it right. once they get past the bad times, it always comes to new highs. And you know, it's I, I got in this industry in nineteen ninety. And back then the Dow Jones Industrial Average was around twenty six hundred. Right. Today it's around twenty six thousand. Right. I, I mean, it's it's my own personal experience. Right. Because I've been in the industry. But in the reality is you're not drawing the money out all in one day. So you're over you in your spouse's lifetime. Do you owe money on your home or anyone else? Do you owe money to anyone we else? Do you still owe money on our home. And we're trying to um, arrange it so that by the time I retire, we don't owe anyone. Perfect. How much money do you owe on the that's, home? That's tough. Um, still about one ten. And what are, kind of payments are you making towards the home on a monthly basis? Um, I think it's about fifteen, sixteen hundred right in there. Okay, so here's uh, so here's a couple things. That- and are are you have you contributed to a Roth IRA in the past? Oh yeah, absolutely, nonstop for like thirty years. For a Roth IRA. Um, no, not always a Roth. We have we have. A small part of what we have in Roths, I think it's like 16, 17% because we have like four different IRAs with different companies, but most of my holdings are in a 401k with one company. Yeah. Got it. Um, so, okay, so you're making this a lot more complicated than it really needs to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and don't talk to that annuity salesman anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and stay away from the annuity people. But but the reason you're making okay. it more complicated than it than it needs to be is if you took all of these accounts with the exception of your 401k and because of the fact that you're over 59 and a half, you might even consider taking all of these accounts and putting it into a single IRA and a single Roth IRA for both you and your wife, right? So Which, you'll have four okay. accounts at most, at most. Got it. Then you're going to build a portfolio that's approximately 60% equities and 40% bonds and cash. And with a little bit of traded real estate in there, maybe a little bit of uh, liquid alternatives, but not, not nothing fancy. It doesn't have to be super fancy, right? Um, and I would continue. The, of low-cost investments. Yeah, low-cost uh, uh, investments with primarily indexed um um, ETFs in there, but I wouldn't, you don't need to make this complicated. Then have an advisor build a model for you that actually shows that it actually is 60, 40. And then I would continue to save at that 15 to 20%. And I would most certainly actually pay off that house as quickly as I possibly could. Four years. You said that we started the phone call and you said five to six years from retirement. And then halfway through the phone call, you said about four and a half years. That, that's because I think I'm I'm still 61, but I'm actually 62 <laughs> in two months. Okay. Okay. So so I would build. It's funny how as we get older, we age, don't we kind of ignore those birthdays. I would build a plan around 60 uh, for uh, five years, and and if okay. go go to our website and watch the seven personal decision points uh, video. And it will actually walk you through these seven steps that you need to make. Or you can call one of our offices and sit down with an advisor and they'll walk you through the steps. But the the idea is you're almost there. The annuities uh, are, you know, so think about an annuity. What what okay. happens behind the, the, the screen with the annuity? What does the insurance company do with the money you give them? 
Right. And I, I've listened to your show for a while now, and I understand that um, they're they're basically making money on it. You're getting part of it on a good day, you know, with the right contract, and it's 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 not ideal. But boy, they they sell that safety oh. factor to you, and it's as they scare the crap out of you. That's right. That that's is, how yeah. they sell them with fear right. and fear. Yeah. And they sell talk right. about all the things that can go wrong. Yeah. But the, the problem with that route, one, you're not going to get anywhere close to the stock market returns. Not even in the same ballpark. Yeah. Because of all the restrictions. Right. And secondly, the biggest risk retirement is not short-term fluctuations in your account balance. It's inflation. Right. And right. if you have everything in what appears to be safe, over time, your dollar's worth less and less and less. And suddenly when you go to the store and a gallon of milk's $12, you're not going to have the 12 bucks. Unless it's organic milk and you're buying it today at Whole Foods, <laughs> in which case it's twelve dollars already. <laughs> but that's a different story altogether. But the point being is, okay. is look, you have a better, you have a good enough understanding of of the situation. You just kind of clean it up a little bit and put some numbers on paper that actually says, "I'm going to retire in five years. What's it going to look like?" And, and you might find, you may find that you're going to put a little less money in towards savings and a little bit more towards the house and start the social security at 66 and actually get to the same standard of living that you have t today, which is that seven personal decision points. So based on this conversation with you, I'd say that five years is not an unrealistic goal for retirement. I think it is absolutely okay. doable at the same standard of living, assuming that your income is approximately a hundred thousand dollars a year. Because we quickly go through the math, you're saving twenty percent. That's that's the eighty thousand dollars. You're put, you're putting eight per almost eight percent towards Social Security. So you're living actually at about seventy thousand dollars a year. You're putting eighteen thousand dollars a year towards your home, right? Now you're down to fifty thousand right. dollars a year. I take a look at this five hundred thousand dollars. I assume a four percent a distribution rate. That's twenty grand, and then kick in Social Security. You're almost there anyway. So that's just quick math in my head without even using a calculator. If you went through the seven personal decision points process, you'd, you'd land on a number. Um, and it might okay. be four years and it might be five years. I doubt it's three and I don't think it will be six. Um, it's probably four to five okay. years. And yeah. don't worry about the taxes so much. Oh, yeah. Listen, you, you're, gonna, no, you're, not, you're, here, fine. Here, you're no, fine. Here's So one advice don't talk to somebody who gets paid to sell you a specific product. That annuity, you don't have a tax problem. You don't have a tax and an, problem. And an, a, a tax-deferred annuity could create a tax problem because what you'd be doing is just ending up down the road with tax-deferred money. The challenge, see, when you pull money out of an annuity, you've got to pull your right. principal, I mean, sorry, you pull your interest out first. So if you put, let's say, $100,000 in annuity, and it grows to 150,000 and you say, "Oh, I need 30,000 for a new car." You're forced to take 30,000 of your interest first. It's fully taxable, 100% taxable. Uh, let's say on the other hand that you said, "You know, why don't I keep my uh, I'll have my growth investments held on the outside. I'll have my fixed income, my bond side, my safer stuff in my IRA or my 401k." And let's say you invested in a in an S&P 500 fund an index fund that mirrors the, the S&P 500. And you had a $50,000 growth. Number one, it would be almost all tax deferred because it's it grows. Second, if you needed $30,000 for a new car, you would sell $30,000 worth of it. Only a, a portion of that would be uh, considered taxable, and the portion that was taxable would be capital gains. And it receives for, a full step up further, on basis. When you death. die, the gains are forgiven. And it never happens. In a new Let me ask this question of you, Mr. Hansen. But I do know the answer. Yeah. For demonstration purposes, Scott Hansen, the firm that you are uh, the co-CEO of, how much money does it have under advisement? All worth financial or yeah. just shy of $5 billion, four and a half, five billion. Okay, so you understand it's the, not that I don't know the number, but it's you, okay. you understand the, the the you understand the products pretty well, do you not? In the I in started the with an insurance company out of college. How many annuities do you own, Scott? I actually own two. Tell me about them. One for my wife and one for me that I bought in the in the financial crisis, and I put $5,000 in them each. And I bought them because at the time, it had a window that you can put up to a million dollars on it, and it had a guaranteed income rider on them. Guaranteed minimum income benefit rider. Yes. And uh, so now, now it's full disclosure here. So um, the insurance company later closed that window, so you 
couldn't add anything more. And sometimes the cobbler's kids go. I have. I know. I know. I need to move them out from where they are into a uh, no load annuity contract. You bought, and, I, yeah, and I haven't done it yet. You bought an annuity fifteen years ago. But I didn't. I didn't buy. I didn't really invest much in it. I I opened it up to. Uh, it's like buying. I looked at it buying an option to put more money in the future, saying because these c- contracts are changing. And they did change. They certainly changed after that. And then the insurance companies figured out a way to Would you buy an annuity today? No. I don't own an annuity. Never have. Can't imagine ever. uh, And they were. Back in the day, 20 years ago, they were different. Yeah. It's just a different market. And the interest rates are so low today. There's not. By the time all the commissions get paid, there's there's nothing left. Yeah. So Anyway, Bob. Yeah. Glad you called, Bob. Um, the call. Yeah. Hope this is helpful. And. I think Pat said our seven personal decision points I think would be helpful for you. Oh, we're up against the clock. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Allworth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain. Hey, if you haven't been to our website in a while, we encourage you to do so. We've, there's... Um, one of the articles that we are highlighting right now is um, it was uh, someone had reached out to us. They were 64, um, retired, and they were considering about doing a part-time work, and they're wondering how that would impact their Social Security. So if you are yet to retire, wondering how uh, either full-time employment or part-time employment could impact your Social Security, there is a good article on our website. That's allworthfinancial.com. And also, while you're there, there are um, there's some other good articles. There's one on the four biggest retirement healthcare misconceptions. But we've also got different tutorials and blogs and videos and previous podcasts of this program. Um, it's worth a visit. And we've got all retiree you with all kinds yes. of great educational. We yeah. think we believe that an educated uh, client is a good client. Is, well. It, 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 as well as uh, we believe that we should be as transparent and and as with possible. your financial with your financial life, you can't outsource it a hundred percent. If my I have a plumbing problem in my house, I could hire a plumber and say, "Look, I don't want to learn anything about it. Just take care of it. Send me the bill." In your financial life, you've got you have to participate. You see the investments. You see the statements. You check in online and see what things are worth. I've never really thought of it like the big, that. But you have you have some responsibility in this. You have to be engaged. Years ago, Pat, I remember some people came in. They were clients. They had a retirement lump sum. We scheduled a meeting just to talk about the investments. They came in and said, Scott, we only have 20 minutes. I kid you not. We have 20 minutes because there's a Beanie, Beanie Baby convention that we have to get to. This is when Beanie Baby Babies were the game. I said, you mean to tell me you're going to only give me 20 minutes for us to t- discuss your investments here? I said, I'm trying to get you to understand what it is you own. So when things go crazy, as the world happens to do from time to time, you'll make wise choices and not poor ones. And, and so we, they said, we trust you. Well, that's not right. I mean, yes. the, you have to have a, a, at least a basic yes. understanding. Yes, which is and we, one of the reasons we've been doing the radio program in 24 years and with as technology's changed, we've got lots of great tools on our website to help people so that they can accomplish their financial goals and objectives it's and important. stay retired and be retired and that sort of thing. So let's take some calls. 833-99-WORTH is the number. We're talking with KC. KC, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Uh, I pastor church, and under the IRS laws, pastor allowed housing allowance. Yep. My house is paid for, and I'm wondering, is there any kind of housing allowance? Or, you know, when I, what I mean by that is can I designate a portion for what would be equitable for rent, or I just lost all that and just the normal um, deduction that you can claim, like lights and that type of what, stuff? Let me ask you, what, if you look at your all family income, I mean, I'm trying to determine what difference it's going to make in your tax situation. So, and uh, I'm not a tax expert when it comes to pastor's house allowance, although I do understand how it, how it works. Um, what's your overall family income, gross family income? Right around 100000 And how many children do you have? At no. home. 
none. Uh, and are you putting money into a 403B or 401K or anything like that? Yeah, I, I have a, um, it's called a thrift saving plan yeah. with the federal I mean, government. You, so you still have other expenses associated with that home besides the mortgage. There's taxes, there's insurance, there's uh, right. utilities. Are you deducting those things? Yes, I, 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 that, yeah, yes. So it's just but, the fact that because you haven't borrowed money from a bank and having to pay interest, you can't deduct that interest that you otherwise would be able to deduct. No, I, no just say like if I was paying my mortgage. Yes. Yeah, which would if be. If I had a mortgage, whatever I was paying for mortgage, I could write off as a housing allowance, the whole thing. Just say if I was paying $700 a month for mortgage, then I could write that $700. How old are you, how old are you Casey? I'm 57. All right, so, I mean, I'm just thinking, I mean, theoretically, and I'm not an expert on this, but here's where I would talk to an accountant on this, uh, that someone who does tax returns with these very issues that understands pretty well. I mean, because I've seen this before. So, I mean, technically, let's say he took out a 10-year mortgage. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Or a seven-year exactly. mortgage yep. or something. Yep. And now his pay, let's say his payments are a couple grand a month. And now he, he can add a couple grand a month to his, uh, even if he took the money, and put it directly in CDs, earning very little, it might yield them some benefit. So the, the way you're, in order to answer this. Or you this, could just go buy a new house and convert this to a rental. Yeah, but he might not, that might not be the most advantageous for his finances. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, that would be nice. And usually I'm you look I'm for a nicer home wife. than the one you're in, too. <laughs> I'm sure my wife would appreciate a new house right about. <laughs> no, so, but no, it is worth exploring. No, here's it is, it is, is absolutely worth digging here's into. Here's what I would dig into, Casey. What if you took a five-year mortgage or a seven-year mortgage and just amortized it so your payments would be to pay it back over that length of time? You took that cash, you stuck it in CDs or a high-yielding money market, something extremely safe, drew down on that account to make those payments. Because the interest rate is so low, the tax savings that you receive could, could be, equate to a very high return on those dollars. Yes, without any risk. Without any risk. Without any risk, assuming that you take it and put it into a risk-free account. Yes, and okay. assuming you are within the legal guidelines of the law, which is, being a pastor, I would hope that's what you would be looking for. Yeah, I, I would hope so. <laughs> so. So it is worth, uh, it's worth, who, who does your taxes now? Does, is the person familiar with? Uh, so you want someone that is super familiar yeah. with these. With these. Um, There's, there are people that specialize in church tax stuff. I mean, I would use somebody that has lots of pastors as clients. That's okay. the direction I would go. Yeah. And how would you okay. find that person, Scott? I would use the Google. <laughs> the Google? No, would you? I have a pastor's conference or something like yeah. that, or ask around some pastors. I'd ask around some of your friends, the pastor friends, someone in your denomination okay. or association or whatever. Yeah. Okay. You're thinking, the, I like the way you're thinking, though. Makes sense. At first, I'm like, what? And then all of a sudden, if, if you, if in fact, and I'm not an expert in this, but if in fact you can deduct the whole payment, which I believe you can. Yes. Yeah. Then it makes sense. And so most of the payment will be actually returned, it'll be paying down the, the principal, not interest. And and you know this because of your involvement in the church? I remember years ago I was on the board where, yeah, we, well, had, we, to make, we had to make uh, those decisions on who's eligible for pastoral allowance. And I always thought it was uh, it was one of those kind of old hangouts, holdovers from years gone by. Um, it's kind of a strange exemption. I, you know, it's as... <laughs> I remember the board. I was I felt good for the people I knew, but it was one of those things that like why did we bother? Yeah, and all you know, it's also I appreciate the call, Casey. Um, some people have chosen in in to forego Social Security if you have a social conscience against Social Security. And I've met some people in a variety of different types of ministries who, over the years, they chose to opt out of Social Security, which might have sounded like a good idea when you're 23. Yes, right, but especially a, if they're not high earners. It's a, that's a, Social Security is a fantastic, yeah, if you're a, if you're, if you're a televangelist, go ahead and avoid it. Yeah, but if, if you're making 30 or 40 or $1,000 a year, Social Security is be great. a great deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're making $500,000 a year, not so good. Not all televangelists, I think, make a lot of money. I think there's a lot of televangelists. <laughs> just point out for the ones that... Uh... I think a lot of televangelists are probably just struggling. Sometimes I'm like, I'm like scratching my head like, what? How's that work? Yeah. Do we even remotely believe the same things? I don't think... I don't know. <laughs> anyway, don't want to get off on that. And let's continue on. Our number, 833-99-WORTH. We're with Steve. Steve, you're worth All Worth's Money Matters. 
Yeah, thank you. I truly appreciate you guys taking my call. Thank you, Steve. I listen to your podcast every week, and I very much value your opinion. Well, thank okay, you. Thanks. Um, so my question is is related to Roth conversions. I think my wife and I are in pretty good shape from a retirement standpoint, but we do have some fairly large um, 401ks and IRAs traditional, and I'd just be interested to hear your opinion yep. based on good. my specific circumstances. So a little background. I'm married, like I said, almost 64. I've actually been retired for six years. My wife is 60 and still working and plans to retire at 62. We currently have about approximately $2.2 million in these traditional retirement accounts, either 401ks or IRAs, and about a million in a taxable brokerage account. We also have about six hundred k in money markets and CDs, and we live fairly comfortably on maybe 5000 per month. And, and in six years of retirement, we haven't, haven't had the need to withdraw anything from any of the savings wow. accounts due, due to my wife's pen, or due to my pension and my wife's salary. I haven't started Social Security, and I probably will wait till at least FRA, if not longer. Um, I have a daughter who will be sole beneficiary, and my concern is the $2.2 million in the tax-deferred accounts and the potential tax burden to her, especially if this um, – and I don't totally understand it, but I've been reading about this new, new SECURE Act, and it sounds yep. like it's going to have a huge impact on her. And I just wondered what your general opinion is of whether I should start doing these conversions and uh, – particularly how this new SECURE Act will affect them. And are you in Washington State or Washington, D.C.? Washington State. And what's your family income at this point in time? Uh, between the pension and the um, and my wife's salary, it's about 90000 And what is what portion of that is your wife's salary? Uh, about... About, it's about 50-50, 45 pension and 45 salary. And how many years until she retires? Two years. Well, there's some room still this year in the lower tax bracket. It goes from 12% to – is 25% the new brackets now? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. 12% to 25%. I thought it was 22. So, was it 22? Okay. Right, maybe it's 22. I forget the top of my head. So you, you absolutely should be running but, some pro formas to see whether you should convert now, and you most certainly should probably convert when your wife qu- quits working. Does, and she putting the maximum into her uh, 403Bs or 401Ks or whatever they are? No, she's, she's self-employed. So we're not there's, no, there's no sense – I mean, there's no, yeah, there's no sense, sense adding and then, con- yeah, and then converting. Right. No, not at this tax level. Unless she can contribute to a, a – uh, uh, is she totally self-employed? Does she have employees? No, no employees. I'd do a, I'd do a Roth solo K. Yes, for her, to the maximum. She could put quite okay. a bit in that Roth solo K. Eat. Okay. Yeah. In addition, to, in addition to the conversions. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. so you you've got some room, a little, not much, but where the real financial planning actually comes into place is the day she, the year she retires, and the year after she retires. Right. Should I put enough into the Roth conversion to get up to the twenty-two percent bracket? That's what I was. Yes, one hundred percent. And and okay. and. Um, Boy, it'd be a hard argument to push for more, but here, here's what you really uh, should consider doing is is doing some scenarios with some different growth assumption because that that two point two it's two point two million today. What's it going to be worth by the time you're seventy and a half? Yeah, and right. and that and how much income is that brokerage account spinning off? Uh, I'm not using it for any income at this point. I know, yeah, but, but it's still but you still you still get taxed on on what. True. What's true. coming yeah. in there? So, so if you were sitting in our office, or I hope any good financial advisor's office across the United States, good registered investment advisory firm, you would take all of this and say, okay, let's look at our income today. Let's look at the income that comes from the the cash and the CDs. Let's take a look at the income that is spun off in the brokerage account, and figure out if there is any room at all. And my guess is it's probably negligible right yeah. now. It's still worth doing. But it's worth going through the practice. And then you'd say, okay, well, what happens when my wife quits in two years? And at that point in time, you'll be 66 years of age. And you might forego your Social Security for a couple years, especially if you're in very, very good health. And 
uh, say, okay, what should we be converting at that point in time? So my guess is there's probably not a lot of value in it right now, but the day she quits work, or you may have her work till the end of a, a, a calendar year and none in the, in the next year, and then start those conversions. But you absolutely are recognizing an issue that you're going to have, which is the required minimum distributions. And under new, this new SECURE Act, what will happen to those dollars that goes to yeah. your daughter? Does she live in Washington? No, she lives in California. Oh, even worse, worse right? Or she's going to have to <laughs> yeah, move. Even worse. She's got to have to move. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm, he, Washington's, and there's no income taxes, right? So uh, right. It, it, there might be an argument for even doing some conversion in that 22% bracket. Assuming that she stays in the state of California. Even still, because, I mean, it, 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 nobody knows what's going to happen with the future tax rates. We don't know. But my, I have a feeling that people who inherit huge IRAs probably aren't going to want the, <laughs> they're, they're probably going to take... That's the that, yeah, I mean, who's if you're going to tax someone, you should tax someone. I mean, that got money from, from. I've read some of the arguments against the Secure Act because it's it's what it basically for the uh, rest of you out there. It's right now when someone inherits an IRA, IRA, they have to take a little bit of money out, but they can stretch it out over their entire life expectancy. So assuming that Steve's daughter is thirty or thirty-five, she yeah. has another forty years to take the yeah, money out spread over. Spread it out and keep it at low taxes. The Secure Act would require it to be distributed within ten years. Which so now you're talking a couple hundred grand a year. State of California, well, boy, that's um, a couple hundred Gavin thousand. Newsom's going to love it. But but based upon the fact that you've been retired for six years and you're not taking any income from this IRA, and you're 64, this this could be this could be a five million dollar IRA. Yeah. When, yeah. By the you time might, she you, you, you you might even look at converting more. Up to the twenty four percent. Yeah, I mean, well, you got to. What ends up happening? You can start losing some other deductions along the way. So you really need yeah. to run the numbers. Okay. You're thinking about the right. Yeah, thing. you're These thinking are, about. And by the way, Steve, it's pretty advanced. It's a good, it's a good problem to this have. This is actually, and it's yeah, pretty. Even though you get frustrated, right? Every once in a while, it, it actually tells us you have a great understanding of how all this works <laughs> I mean, by asking I mean, the question. <laughs> Look at this bad. He's got. <laughs> oh, that's true, huh? I mean, you couldn't ask for. He's a been more, retired to fifty eight. It's a, it's a, it's a. You couldn't ask for a more perfect distribution as far as your. Uh, your pension plan. Yeah, go. and I'm guessing you have no mortgage on your house. Right, no mortgage. Yeah. yeah. You should you yeah. know what I think you should do? Steve, you should spend some of this. Yeah, that's well we're heading to Italy next week. So. Okay, well <laughs> stay at a nice place. Well, and, and, and in all sincerity on this, um, spending or depending on kind of if if you're looking down the road and you say, I don't necessarily want a hundred percent to go to my daughter, I want some to there's a particular cause. Whether you, whether you want to give to that now, you could look at uh, giving to a uh, donor-advised fund. You still have control over those assets. It, think of it like a private foundation that you control. Um, there's a little restrictions, but not a ton. And you could consider saying, you know what? What if I put in twenty grand into this this year and converted 20000 at the same time? Okay. If, you, if you're charitably inclined. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it's one of those things that uh, – you, you, and all these tax planning techniques when it comes to – uh, and it, you, you it rather, and you wouldn't put in cash. You'd look for the most highly appreciated assets that you have. Um, Out of your brokerage account. Yes. And even right. if you love okay. the stocks, I never want to get rid of it. Let's you say buy it somewhere else. Buy but, it. Buy it the next. Yeah. You do have some day. great planning opportunities. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate your input. Right, You've Steve. done a great job. Hey, and what if you, uh, retirement? Six years. You retired at age of fifty-eight. Has it been good? Bad? No, it's been great. I actually, I actually started. Uh, I retired and started doing dog walking. I love dogs, and it's it gets me out of the house every day, and it's it's great. And is this for pay? Are you like uh, one of those apps? Yeah, What's... pay minimal pay, but yeah, pay, yeah. Really? It's not about the money. It's uh, about obvi- the exercise. No, no, no. I totally understand. How many dogs do you walk at a time? I only do one or two at a time, but I do five to seven dogs a day. Is that That's right? Awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, gonna... and you know, it's funny. I bet there's some people think, I, I feel good about Steve coming and taking care of the dog because I have a feeling he needs the can. <laughs> <And> Steve's like. Because <laughs> Steve... <laughs> I'm guessing you're not wearing Gucci sneakers. Yeah, I'm guessing you're, you're... No. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you're like the millionaire next door. Uh-huh. Yeah. I appreciate the call, Steve. I just... All right. Thank you. Right, I appreciate thanks. you guys. Bye. <laughs> I think that's I'd actually good. stay in work cool. rather than walk dogs. That's well, you do me. have a little control of your work life. That is true. <laughs> so that, that is helps. That is true. That yeah. is true. If you were working in some meat grinder, yeah, if I, was, I mean, I mean, so quite often, Pat, we'll talk to people that are 
maybe in their 50s. They like their, it's not they don't like their job. They're just like, I can't keep this pace up. I'm on the road three weeks a month. Right? See it all the time. On the plane all the I time. I never there. see my kids, my grandkids. Yeah. And we're like, try to find a job that it, it, you find engaging that isn't so taxing. Well, I mean, it sounds like Steve really enjoys the dog watching. Walking. Walking. Yeah. <laughs> watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, and, and Pat, it's, uh, the studies show that roughly two-thirds of baby boomers want to continue some sort of work in retirement. They just want control over their yeah. lives. That's pretty awesome. And let's talk with Rich. Rich, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, gentlemen. I enjoy your podcast. Um, you happen to have one of the better ones. I um, listen to 10 or 15 of them a week. 10 or 15? You should yeah, be teaching I'm, us something. Uh, on fi- all, all financial or, or? Yeah, all financial. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. And uh, if you uh, would take a minute to go on that. <laughs> give and us a review. Give us a review. <laughs> anyway, how can we help you today? I'll do it. All right. Just... A brief summary of my situation. My wife and I, I'm 51. My wife is 50. She has a pension. She works for a school district. She's not a school teacher. Uh, Together, we've saved about $800,000 in retirement savings. We really don't have anything else besides retirement. Out of that $875,000 of it is a Roth, and $75,000 is in her 403B. We have a variable annuity. Now, I know annuities aren't really the best thing to have in tax-deferred accounts. However, this fixed account, I'm only using it for the fixed, and the fixed pays 4% guaranteed, and there are no other fees. My question is, you know, it's diversified, real estate, bonds, all this other stuff. My question is, should I eliminate the bonds and just put any, you know, should I just put, like, more into the 4%? And we also save twenty five thousand yes, yes, a year. Yes. Am I going to be able to retire? Let me answer your first question. <laughs> Let's answer your second question first, because that's the bigger question. Okay. Will you be able to retire? It depends on what the outflow in retirement is, and what your what what's your combined income now? One seventy. And what do you what are you paying towards the mortgage, not counting taxes and insurance? Oh, um, two thousand. Will that be paid off at retirement? It better be. Okay. And, and how much you put? Yeah. How much are you putting into your retirement plans on an annual basis? Uh, between twenty-five and thirty thousand a year between both of us. So you're living on approximately. What are you living on? You're fifty-four. Um, and plus the FICA, there. You guys yeah. both paid into. Yeah, you're FICA. you're living on about a hundred thousand dollars a year. Is what yeah. you're, what you're living on. So, if you take Social Security, will your wife be eligible for Social Security? Yeah. Okay. So, if you retire, let's say age sixty-five, and you're living on a hundred thousand dollars a year, you're probably going to need to make up about sixty-five thousand dollars a year in uh, income. Maybe a little, mm-hmm. maybe a little less than counting Social Security because her pension. Oh, and what's your wife's pension going to be? Technically, when she's sixty-four, it would be thirty thousand as of now. Yeah, you can retire. Yeah, I think you're on track. Yeah, you're absolutely there. Just doing a kind of rough and dirty. And part of the way we like to look at things is, I know sometimes you look at these these formulas and say you need to replace eighty percent of your income, but it's not factoring in the fact that what you're saving right now, and you're what, saving fifteen percent of your income, and what you're putting down towards your your equity in your home, which is paying off that loan. So the formula, if you go to our website, which is another almost 15% of your income, if you go to our website, allworthfinancial.com and you go through the seven personal decision points, there's a little video on there. It will actually show you how to determine how much income you're going to need in retirement. And so if you look at the age, the fact that you're 51 and you're saving this much money towards retirement, the mortgage will be paid off, this pension's accruing, you continue to make contributions into your uh, 401ks, 403bs, you will be more than comfortable in retirement. Yeah, I think More you're than fine. comfortable. Now, the other, the other issue you brought up is this guaranteed uh, uh, fixed annuity. I'm hearing some wind or yeah. something. Are you, like a, are you on a, a motorcycle? Or something. <laughs> Motorcycle. No, I walk the track. I listen to you as I walk the track. Okay, good. I like it. Get your health taken care of at the same time. Um, so here's what you – assuming this annuity contract doesn't have what's called a market value adjustment. So what happens when you put money into an annuity contract, the insurance company goes into the marketplace. Can you put us on mute for a second? Yeah. 
please. It does sound I don't like know how to do that. Oh, oh okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> Get your. Hang on. I'll try to, I'll try to cover up. Yeah, go behind a <laughs> wall or something. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Perfect. Perfect. So, uh, when it, when you put money into a fixed annuity like that, the insurance company goes out into the marketplace and buys securities, mostly bonds. Well, interest rates are low. So insurance companies are buying low interest rate bonds. So that means if interest rates rise, the value of those bonds are going to fall. So some contracts with insurance companies have what's called a market value adjustment. Yet one of the many reasons why I'm not a huge fan of annuities, except if you've got an old one that's paying 4%. So if this, assuming this annuity does not have a market value adjustment and you could take the money out whatever you want, I think that's the perfect place for your bond portion of your portfolio, 100%. Yeah, and don't be surprised if they change this interest rate if they can. Sometimes they enter into what is called a GIC or a um, Guaranteed Income Contract. Um, It's probably an old uh, contract, though, with a minimum floor. Yeah, it probably is. So you would want to put all your bond into that. As much as you can. 100% of the new uh, dollars going into that at 4% and view that as the bond portion of your portfolio. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, my, she got it 15 years ago. There you yeah. go. It was like a salesperson to try to get into the school yep. district. Yeah, yeah. So they were offering <laughs> you know, it's funny. 4%. Yeah, and they, and they... Which was not that great, and today it looks pretty awesome. Yeah. So it's no, much better exactly. than going in the bond market, because the bond market, to get more than 4% today, you're going to have to take some risk. And you've got downside. So the, look at this, is the, is the very secure portion of your portfolio. And the fact that you're lucky to actually have access to it. Yeah. You, you just want to double... So you just want theory, to see... What if there's a market value adjustment, meaning if in three years from now, if you want to move it, if you're stuck or if there's a rolling surrender period that never ends. Those are the downsides. Because it might be that it might be a seven or 10 year surrender charge on any new deposit. So you need to take a look at those things. Yeah, no, I know there's no surrender on it. Beautiful. It's just a flat. Perfect. Beautiful. Um, so in theory, can I put all my wife's money in there when I retire and just draw the 4% a year and be good? No. The 4% rule. No, probably not. But they may allow it. To do what? To, to roll the rest of other dollars into that. Oh, transfer some more. Probably if, not. Yeah. I, I, let, let's, that's a long time from now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I wouldn't worry about that now. I would just put all new deposits that I could into that. All righty? Okay, perfect. All Thank right. you right. so much. Thanks, Enjoy the rest of your uh, exercise regime. That's right. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. We are here at the same station every week at this time, also available via podcast. And thanks so much for being part of Allworth's Money Matters. We'll see you next week. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.